Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Court Podcast, episode 174. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games, but not video game news. There's basically nothing I saw that was kind of an, of interest for me to kind of talk about. Uh, there is Steve in Smash Brothers, but honestly, I didn't spend a lot of time with Fighter Pack 1 and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, um, and I think Fighter Pack 1 had a lot of characters that I actually care quite a bit about, but I haven't really given myself the time to uh, really, really fully digest that that character pack still. I don't know if I ever will. So it's a little hard for me to get too excited about, uh, you know, characters coming up. But I think Steve is an interesting character, you know, in terms of the implementation. He just is, you know, very awkward character in a lot of ways. But in a, in a way that I think works pretty well, given the source material that they are that they are working with for that game. Um, and it seems like online, the, the reception behind him has been pretty, pretty strong. I know there's definitely people who are, you know, griefing because there's some you know, character that they really wanted in the game that that's missing out. But, you know, you, you can't make everybody happy. So this podcast is probably going to be focusing on some games I've played as well as um, just kind of talking a little bit about um, some of the more recent content on the YouTube channel and then also some upcoming content and upcoming, upcoming plans and then also maybe maybe a little bit of anime talk too. I think it's going to be a shorter podcast this week. So uh, apologies if that if that doesn't fulfill the time you need this this podcast to fill in your life if you're if you're listening every week for a reason. Um but yeah, in terms of multiplayer stuff, nothing too new there. Um really just, you know, Overcooked 2 I'm still playing. Overcooked 2 is kind of a weird thing because it's a lot of coordination uh between the other people you're playing and a lot of times it doesn't feel like the execution matters so much as much as just making sure um, you know, everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Like basically how Overcooked 2 works is, you know, you have in the case of what we're doing, four players and everybody's kind of coordinating to make different meals and stuff. And then there's like various obstacles in the environment that kind of get in the way of you uh, creating those meals. So there might be cases where like you have to throw pizza dough between each other, between different characters or like some character, you can only like take the pizza dough out of like a backpack or something. And so one character has to wear the backpack and the other characters have to pull the pizza dough out and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm only using pizza as a, as a, as a uh, example right now, but there's a lot of different types of recipes in terms of like sushi, um, you know, um, like, uh, steam buns and things like that. And they all have different ingredients and different makeups and, and you have to kind of like coordinate to make sure, you know, delivering the right meals, you know, in order for like a combo bonus and things like that. Um, and it's kind of interesting that like, I don't know. I feel like the actual playing of the game is not that difficult. It's mainly the organizing that that's kind of difficult. Like, it, it's a hard game, but once you know what you're doing and once you have all the cogs moving in that game, um, and you know, everybody's doing their part, um, it's not that challenging, um, you know, unless you're trying to get like the four star uh, rewards or something like that, which are basically a new game plus version of the game where you can uh, unlock four stars instead of three. Um, those seem kind of ridiculous in terms of what they need you to do. But but yeah, it's just kind of this strange offset where it's like the game feels impossible up front. But then once you actually figure out where people need to be and what they need to be doing, um, the game actually gets pretty easy. And maybe that's just kind of like a, a you know, accessibility thing where, you know, the, the game is very simple in terms of, you know, preparing food. You're basically just pressing one button to chop up stuff, uh, you know, pressing one button to pick stuff up. And then in, in the case of Overcooked 2, you can throw in, uh, some some particular items, mainly ingredients around um, and people can like 
like catch them as well, but the game just kind of like automatically catches them. Which you know, you know, given that's a couch co-op game and and focus as a party game, I would imagine you wouldn't want people you know struggling too much with the controls or or you know the actual preparation of the food. You really just want people you know being able to move around and coordinate. Um, so it's just this kind of interesting offset because that game is like this very, I guess, difficult thing in terms of presentation. But once you actually get down to what you're doing, it's actually a very easy game uh, to, to jump into, which I kind of I kind of really appreciate that. So we've mainly been in the downloadable content for that at this point. We did like the camping one. So you do a lot of, like making s'mores and things like that. Um, and I have to like, you know, basically keep campfires going by like cutting up wood and throwing the wood in. So it adds some some interesting mechanics. And I think the next thing we're going to do is like the uh, I think there's like a beach DLC pack. And I don't know what is different about that per se, other than um, sometimes things can catch on fire when you're when you're uh, cooking. And so you use like a fire extinguisher. Um, but in the beach one, you get like a water gun you can shoot at the fire. That's the only difference I actually know off the top of my head. But we'll probably look at it um, again next week and, and spend more time with it in, the, in that multiplayer group. I don't know how much I plan to talk about Overcooked 2 in the future. I don't know if I'll ever do anything on it, to be honest. I'm not super passionate about the game, but you know. It's fun enough, and I uh, I enjoy it. Um, I also played a bit more Rainbow Six Vegas too. Um, I I don't remember if it was last podcast or the one before that, but I talked pretty negatively about it before. And I think a big part of that was uh, just the the cover system feeling unreliable uh, in that game. And I I kind of found out why it's unreliable um, because there's bullet penetration in that game. So if you're behind a piece of cover that's not like a solid wall, um, then you can take you know shots through that piece of cover. So when we're playing. And, and you know just dying behind a wall I was really confused because it's like why why is this cover just like not working and you know being in realistic mode you die so fast it's hard to tell like what was going on but now that I know that like bullet pen- penetration is a thing in that game um that makes a lot more sense so so definitely trying to keep that in mind more uh and, and playing that title and we 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 played a bit more and we had a, a good bit of fun with it so I think we will finish all the terrorist hunt missions in that game um and and finish that up but you know it's not that much different from rainbow six vegas one so i don't really have too much more to say about that other than you know it's you know (laughs) it's a little more challenging i guess so what i've mainly been playing this weekend uh by myself is super mario brothers 3 you might be like wow that's kind of a random thing for you to want to play and it actually makes a lot of sense um so i played super mario land uh you know a couple weeks back and i didn't really talk about the game too much on the stream i feel like but um but after i finished that stream I spent a lot of time thinking about Super Mario Land and kind of what that game is structurally, and it ended up becoming a video script um, in my head. Um, so, so within like like forty eight hours, maybe even less than that, maybe twenty four hours, I had played that game, written a script, and then also recorded the audio for it. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess this is a video. Um, so that script requires me to get some extra Mario footage. So I was like, okay, I need to get some Super Mario Brothers 3 footage. Um, so I started playing that, but I really wanted to get footage of the, like, um, if you don't know, in Super Mario Brothers 3, there's like a, I don't know what you'd call it, like the big world or, or something, little big world or something, where essentially, um, you know, the, the Mario is small and the rest of the characters are, are, are really large. It's kind of weird because it's not consistent. Like the Goombas are big and the Koopas are big, but then like the piranha plants will come out of the pipes and they're still just like, some of them are just like normal sized piranha plants still, and they don't fit like centered in the pipe. They're kind of like off to the left or the right. It's kind of a weird inconsistency, you know, especially in like a Mario game, which I, you know, cons- would consider that more of a, a polished franchise. Uh, and I found out that was like in world four. And so by the time I got to world four, I was like, well, 
I'm almost halfway through this game, and you know, I've, I've been meaning to play through Super Mario Brothers three at some point. So I went ahead and just finished it up. Um, it took me, I don't know, probably probably a little over five to six hours, maybe. Um, I just went ahead and I played it on Nintendo Switch Online um, for the uh, the NES emulator thing that they have on there. So there's save states. They also have a rewind feature, but I didn't really use the Wii rewind fin- feature. I do use save states with older games, usually as a checkpoint system, just because, you know... Early on, when I was playing Super Mario Brothers 3, I, I was just kind of playing by the game's rules, run out of lives, redo all the levels, but but about halfway through, it was like, I... Look, I'll be honest with you, I'm... <laughs> when it comes to games like Super Mario Brothers 3, and probably like A Link to the Past, and, and a lot of these like genre-defining games in a lot of ways, um, I, I kind of find them boring, uh, probably because I'm very much looking for a game that is doing something interesting or, 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 or like being challenged in some way. Like in the case of playing Super Mario Land, there was like something specifically about that game that I just kind of grasped onto. And, and it's just like, oh, this is actually really cool how this game is doing this, this particular thing. I don't want to talk about too much of it because, you know, I talk about it in the video. Um, but you know, when you have like those foundation building games, they kind of are that they're foundations for all these games. So when you go back to them, it's kind of like playing, I used to make this like house comparison. I don't know where this came from, (laughs) where it's like, okay, like Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is like a, a single story home, the best single story home that ever existed. Right. And then, and then, so they use that home as a basis for the uh you know uh, the single story home but then they're like hey we can make this better we'll put a, a second you know floor on top and you know the second floor is not as good uh but it makes for like you know interesting dynamic because you could have like oh you, you know you have like a playroom upstairs or whatever right and then uh but you, it comes at a cost of i don't know people like stepping around on the top you have a game like you know skyward sword which has its own like unique gimmicks which are kind of like the second floor of a building um but they still are built on the foundation of a link to the past and so when you go back and you just kind of like strip away that second floor part of the building and just like have the first floor um <laughs> i don't know if this building thing makes any sense but you know you just kind of this core thing that i think when you when you've built on it for so long when you just see that original foundation and original structure you can say like yeah this is great but it's also just kind of that again <laughs> and that's that's kind of how i feel about Super mario brothers 3 it's like yeah this is just kind of that this is just kind of mario and, and, you know, I was surprised by how much I actually didn't really recognize Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, I didn't recognize the last f- boss fight with Bowser. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen the last boss fight in that game before. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing because it seems very, um, anticlimactic in some ways. Also, also the ending dialogue with Peach, like, it's, it's, it's basically just a joke. And then at the end, she goes, bye bye. And then that's the end of the game. It's like, it's weird, like, oh, okay, bye bye, Peach. I don't know. It's something bizarre about it. Like, I know we're not, I know Mario is not some, like, story heavy thing, but like, just to end a game on a, on a, uh, low hanging fruit joke and then, uh, and then have Peach say bye bye was kind of a, a bizarre way for that to end. But yeah, there's a lot of just things about that game I just didn't really know that much about. But at the same time, it didn't really do too much to really, I guess, surprise me or anything like that. Like there wasn't anything in that game that really felt foundationally different as you go through the game, I guess. Like like each world definitely has its own like, you know, um, challenge level and and typo obstacles and things like that. But it's, it's all stuff, you know, I've seen in Mario at this point and... And, you know, seeing wherever this, you know, originated essentially just doesn't really, you know, do all that much for me. I don't know. Anyways, Super Mario Bros. 3 is a good game. I played it 
I I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about it. And this is kind of this is probably why I don't really like you know know if I should cover these kind of things because you know at most what I have to say about Link to the Past is like it's fine. <laughs> like everything that has been said about these games has been said right um, for the most part. So and and just kind of confirming that that is a good game is is a little you know difficult to find anything to talk about honestly so anyways i need to look at playing super mario world at some point i will be playing super mario world here briefly because i will need some footage for that for the uh the video itself but i don't think i'll beat super mario world this time between super mario land and super mario brothers 3 i think i am out marioed in terms of at least 2d mario it's been kind of interesting playing these uh you know while 3d uh the 3d all-star collection comes out because everyone is like oh here i'm gonna play super mario 64 sunshine and galaxy and i'm here playing these old 2d mario games when like <laughs> you know the, you know people are playing these games all the time but just it just feels out of out of style to do so right now because <laughs> everyone's focused on the 3d ones at the moment so yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say about Super Mario Bros. 3, though. Like, I just really, like I said, I just really don't know what to say about these kind of games. And, and you know, I just don't. I just don't. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'll stop getting stuck on this. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what my main progress was this this weekend, for the most part. Um, I did end up missing out on playing uh, Kanagawa Jet Girls this week. Um because I just was not feeling super well on Saturday, so I, I went ahead and uh, and skipped out on that and decided to instead work on um, on uh, more casual reviews. So um, we're going to get to the part of the podcast here, I think, where we're going to talk a bit about, you know, what's going to go on content-wise going forward, I think. Um, it's, not that, it's nothing new or there's not, like, some drastic shift or whatever, but, you know, I think it's been kind of weird this second half of the year. After I did the PCFX podcast, I kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while, throughout some you know very quick videos with that like the backwards compatibility one and then i did the chibi robo stuff um so so i feel like it's been kind of a content light second half of this year so if for some reason you haven't been listening to the podcast uh, earlier this month i started doing or i guess last month at this point uh i started doing casual reviews and what these were really were um you know they kind of came out of the uh ocp clips thing which if you don't know what that was that was me trying to take podcast uh topics chop them down uh, to a clip size and then upload them to, to Twitter. And then I also was uploading them to YouTube. But I really found that those clips from the podcast, the only ones I really wanted to do were ones where I was talking about full games. And because Twitter has a limit of two minutes and 20 seconds for videos, I assume only for, for normal users, I assume for verified users, you have options to do longer videos. Um, it, it kind of restricted what I could what I could put in those videos. And also because I was editing audio from the podcast and the podcasts are kind of like, you know, barely barely organized it was it was a little hard to to do much with it and i like the idea of 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 having that was like less something that was less formal than a traditional review but being able to do something that you know would be able to live on the 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 youtube channel for a long term and still just be like you know time or you know compact in terms of time so you know it wasn't like a oh you want to hear me talk about the last rebellion well come watch my 15 hour stream right I wanted a way I could like summarize stuff pretty quickly and the quick plays just weren't really fitting all the formats of games that I was trying to trying to do um the, the quick play option is it's cool because it is just like you know I, I jump at a game for 30 minutes talk about it and we're done um, but it just was, um, a lot of games just didn't fit super well into that. And the biggest one that came up first and foremost was Gun Gun Pixies. Gun Gun Pixies just did not fit that format at all. Final Fantasy 15. 
And then Shining Resonance uh, kind of also had the same problem 15 had, just like a long RPG. It's hard to take 30 minutes and show an entire game with, or show like the grand scope of a game with that. And then also Muscle March was like a 30 minute game. So like playing Muscle March would have been just me playing through it, you know? And so I thought, I thought making something a bit more formalized, a bit more like a review would make more sense. So that's kind of where the casual reviews came from. Anyways, so I guess I just wanted to explain, you know, what my thought process was of how I got to where I am with the current content. And I think those are probably going to continue regularly as long as they make sense. You know, I'm not going to sit there and like kill myself to make sure I have a casual review out every week. Um, but you know, as long as I'm playing games, they're, they're, they're fairly, you know, simple to put, put, put together. And I think for most of October, you're going to see, um, um, some casual reviews, uh, going up. So anyways, I went ahead and re-recorded the Kanagawa Jet Girls casual review. The first take I did of it was just not good. And, um, the problem was that I was focusing so much on the arcade racing elements of that game found in other games and not really focusing on what made Jet Girls unique. So I kind of reworked the entire script. I basically started from scratch and I think it makes for a lot better video. So, so I haven't actually edited the video together yet, so you probably won't see it this week. And we have the Wizard of Oz Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, uh, a full like featured review coming up this week as well. So I don't really feel any, any stress to try to get that out. Um, but, but that should be finally getting together i know it's like a month late on on jet girls but you know here we are <laughs> um so that'll probably come out uh, uh next week and then i also just spent some time building out casual reviews for some of uh, the games we streamed as well because like i said like sometimes i i would like to be able to put some kind of opinion or thought piece out there about a game but not it not have somebody have to watch 15 hours of the last rebellion to get how i feel about that game right um, so I went ahead and did one for Last Rebellion, and then also Doraemon 2 Animal Wakase uh, Densetsu, which if you didn't see, I streamed that last week, uh, and and that was that was a pretty fun game. It actually makes me curious about just how consistent uh, Doraemon video games are in terms of style and execution, because that game feels strangely very similar to the Nintendo 64 Doraemon game, which I'm pretty sure is from a different developer. And then I looked at a couple of other Doraemon games, and they seem really similar structurally, which if you don't know what they're like, basically they're kind of adventure games, but they have platforming segments when you go to like different areas, and also shooting segments as well that are kind of mixed in. In the case of uh, the 3D game, it's it's just slightly different because, you know, they're, they're not working with, you know, standard 2D genres there, and, you know, it's early 3D games, so they're trying to you know, figure out stuff and, and they're doing like, you know, racing, racing games in there. And as well as like a, there is a shooter segment, but it's really bad in that Nintendo 64 Doraemon game. So they're just kind of these interesting variety pieces. Um, and, and they all are the, you know, the Doraemon 2 on GB, GB or Game Boy and, and, and Doraemon, uh, the three fairy stones on Nintendo 64 just had a lot more in common than I expected them to. So I would like to play more of those games. You know, I, I, if they're all kind of exactly the same, then I, I'll probably get burned out pretty quick. Um, but if they are just kind of variations on that concept, I don't necessarily, you know, mind that per se either. The Nintendo 64 games, the second and third one actually specifically, uh, do look pretty different from the the first Nintendo 64 game. So I, I would like to play more Doraemon games at some point. Um, I really only picked up Doraemon 2 just because I, I happened to be buying something from Japan Retro Direct and was like, okay, I'm just going to throw this in here because I just played Doraemon on the 64 and that was pretty cool. And this game looks pretty cool too. So, so yeah, so I have a, um, a, um, a casual review for that coming up if you don't want to watch me stream that game for three hours. But if you do want to watch me stream that game for three hours, that happened last week and it's on the website. 
Um, and I also went ahead and played through the last bit of the last story this week. Uh, if you don't know, that's been mainly been playing that because of uh, wanting to do a podcast on that. Um, I have two people that I've lined up with for that podcast right now. Um, the the biggest problem with the last story, and and I actually played this game about six years ago, and I don't think I ever posted anything on the website about it. Uh, and it's probably because that game is just very distinct in a way that you know, it's 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 kind of hard because like you want to sh- sum it up as like an action RPG JRPG kind of thing, but it's this very different thing. Like I can't think of another game that plays like the last story in terms of combat. Um, and it's also this incredibly linear adventure too. It feels more like, um, I don't know, more like a, I don't know if action movie is the right word, but it's this very funneled experience. It reminds me, actually it reminds me a lot of the end of Final Fantasy 15. Once you kind of get past the open world stuff, it reminds me a lot of that of just like, yeah, sometimes there's these slow periods, but you're constantly kind of just being pushed forward through story, story events and things like that. Uh, there is like a town you can kind of walk around the last story, but it's like, at specific times of the story it's not something that you can just kind of like do whatever you want kind of thing so so i'm working on an outline for that podcast i have not tried to work on it the last week or so but the last time i touched it it was kind of messy um i again that game's just really complicated i'm trying to avoid a case where we spend like 45 minutes to an hour on the podcast being like what is the last story this is what it is and then like not actually say anything about it um so but i gotta figure out how that works um and or how that's gonna work out um and and you know obviously you know i have other people on the podcast so they they can definitely help me but i do want to be prepared to you know be able to try to direct that conversation that way uh if possible so that's probably gonna be the next multi-tap podcast at this point um i know we haven't had a multi-tap one since the pcfx podcast but uh i i do have things in mind um a lot of them just require me to do uh some extra work beforehand in terms of playing games making sure that a i want to talk about it and then B, I'm able to find the right people to talk about it and, you know, C, they accept actually talking about it. I don't think I've had anybody turn me down yet, which has been nice. Uh, most people are, are pretty open and willing to, despite this podcast having like, you know, 15 to 20, 20 listeners, which which if you haven't, I don't know if I've talked about the numbers of the podcast lately, but that's about how many people listen, apparently, or at least that's what the numbers say. So thank you all for, for help, hanging around and having a good time here. Hopefully the words out of my mouth please you i guess <laughs> um um yeah so that's kind of it in terms of games i've been playing and stuff i've been working on um the super mario land video i'm not sure when that's going to come out yet i uh i it depends on if if i if the last story stuff doesn't really get moving in a way that i would want it to you know either between you know my outline starting or you know i'm at the coordinate with two of the people so i got to make sure the recording time works out and then what the editing process is going to look like for that i don't know if i'm going to try to edit video in it, there's a lot of things up in the air with the last story podcast right now so so re- the reality is you'll probably see the super mario land video um come early november you know first tuesday of november like we do any other other content um it might be a shorter one i think the script came out to be about five to six minutes long usually if i do a video review the script is about eight minutes long on that so so it's a bit shorter um but it is a it is kind of hyper focused on on two major concepts of that game and and i think the big thing i i, I kind of want to stress i think it's it's very easy to say oh like super mario land is weird and and i know why ben wants to talk about it it's because all these weird elements um and those are definitely the things i've been aware of like things like the shooting elements of the game and you know just there being kind of a weird tone to it and like a very generic you know a set of worlds that are that just feels it feels very un mario in some ways because it's a different development team 
you know, like Gunpei Yokoi worked on it rather than like Miyamoto and things like that. Uh, but it's mainly, I mainly want to talk about the structure of the game. That's, that's the big thing because the structure is something I find really fascinating and in a lot of ways and, and how successful they were in pulling off that structure. Um, and in a way that I think you can kind of look at the other games coming out around the time and see how Mario Brothers was kind of meant to fit in kind of thing. So yeah, that's probably going to come in, a, in a, um, early November for that. In terms of games we're going to play for myself next, though, I'm kind of not sure what what that's going to be yet, honestly. Xenoblade Chronicles X is the easiest answer. That is probably the responsible answer. If we're going to come anywhere near beating Xenoblade Chronicles X this year, that is what I have to do right now. <laughs> um, um, so we'll we'll see. I am preparing a, a stream for uh, Halloween. It's, you know, going to be... I try to keep, you know... I, I know I know I had like the gimmicky Jeep Thrills thing recently and then also, you know, I on the Doraemon stream I had a some Doriaki or whatever. But I, I try to keep the gimmicky stuff to the holiday thing. So I I, I have some kind of holiday gimmicky stuff for, for Halloween, I think. It's nothing fancy. Don't don't think too much of it. Um so so I'll be streaming Holloway night unless this, unless something keeps me from doing so. Yeah, but that's pretty much it for video game talk. Um, one thing I can still talk about is uh, anime. So I finished up the anime Rent-A-Girlfriend this weekend, which was uh, maybe like, look, <laughs> it was a very, I think it was a very popular anime. Um, I think it already got like its second season announced or whatever. Uh, I would not say I went into it expecting it to be a very good anime. And, <laughs> and you know, it's it, it feels like one of those those animes that are popular for a season and then like next season everyone will have forgotten about it kind of thing. Very kind of um I don't know if harem is the right word. There's only I guess I guess it is harem, I guess. I don't know. But um but yeah, I finished that up. That was okay. Like like the biggest problem with that anime is so if you don't know what Rent a Girlfriend is, basically it's about this college dude, which is like the the main reason I jumped into that show was because it was like, oh, college dude, not high school. I'll watch this, and that's the main reason I picked this show up. Um, but you know, it's not that much different than a, a high school harem anime, uh, so far, but basically it's about this, uh, college dude who ends up like renting a girlfriend, which is like, you know, essentially, uh, a person comes in and pretends to be your girlfriend for a period of time and then leaves or whatever. Um, and then obviously, you know, he, he more or less falls in love with her and gets, and then like the problem that a lot of these shows have is like the first four episodes are just like a nightmare of poor decisions because they have to make the setup so complicated that it like it's gonna you know make every every like decision going forward just so or every issue going forward just like so hard to solve they just like need to messy it up so they can they can make a show essentially like nobody in their right mind would make these decisions but this person and all the people who are in control of where the plot's going are going to make all these bad decisions. So you have this whole complicated web of, of issues that everybody needs to try to solve together. Um, and so the first four or five episodes really kind of got on my nerves because like, I don't like people who act unrealistically in shows or at least make like, really poor decisions that are just like the most obvious. Don't do that decisions. Um, um, but the back half of the show, I think generally got better as they kind of calmed down with the poor decisions and started focusing more on how to, how to solve those problems and making, and, and spending more time on long-term developments and things like that. You know, obviously it's an anime, so, so it could be that they're just rushing through the beginning of that, the, those issues and that, like, if you were to go rate the manga or something, uh, it might be more, you know, spaced out in a way that doesn't feel like the beginning of the show is just onslaught of, of pain, uh, but, but I think it did kind of clean up towards the end. The only problem I have is that it does have very much that like, 
end of an anime season kind of thing, but we can't finish the story kind of thing where they're like, we're going to have this, this moment that all this stuff happens. And it seems like this is going to be kind of the conclusion, but then we have this one little thing that makes it, you know, come into play where, where it's actually not the conclusion. And, and actually everything that happened in this episode doesn't matter because uh, uh, somebody made an offhanded comment, which negates everything they said that whole, whole episode. And everyone's like, ah, don't kid with me kind of thing. <laughs> and all romantic development is just lost kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that made any sense when I talked about that. But that 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 is that is probably many other animes in a nutshell. When we're talking about harem, like anime, flavor of the season, a- harem anime kind of stuff. Um it's also a very horny show too, so if you're thinking about watching Rent a Girlfriend, just be aware that there's a lot of uh, sexual innuendo stuff in a way that I think is probably expected. Honestly, if, if you're watching that show, I think you probably know what you're getting into for the most part. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Six out of ten, it's okay. I don't know if I'll keep watching it when season two comes out. It's one of those shows that I was just watching because I haven't picked up any other a- anime since uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm. And it was something to watch on the weekend when I, you know, eat my breakfast on Saturday morning, right? Um, and just have it, have it there. So now I need to find something else. That will probably be getting back to Pat Labor. I still got like 40 episodes of Pat Labor to watch. I'm probably not going to finish that series anytime soon. Anyways, thank you for coming this week. OneControllerReport.com is the website. Like I said, uh, The Wizard of Oz, Beyond the Yellow Brick Road, uh, featured review, so like a complete review and everything, uh, will be going up on the website on Tuesday. So please look forward to that. I know I was promising that most of this year. I'm glad to say I finally got that done. Um, and then last week I had that Doraemon stream, so check that out if you want to see some uh, some stream content. And then also I had the casual review for Jeep Thrills go up if you want to see that too. So if you want to see me talk about Jeeps, you can do that. Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. It's a, it's a good game. Jeep Thrills is a, a good enough game. Good enough Wii game. Should you play Jeep Thrills? Probably not. But if you did play Jeep Thrills, you wouldn't be too disappointed, I think. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have a, and then hopefully we'll have Kandagawa Jet Girls coming up next week on, in terms of the casual review stuff and, uh, and that going forward. And then I'll let you know, you know, what the plans are for the end of this year. Like, ultimately, I really want to finish up that, uh, Valkyrie Revolution review that I kind of bungled, you know, earlier this year and still haven't, still haven't really figured out the best way to handle it. Um, hopefully months and months of a break from looking at that script will help me, help me, you know, put, piece something together that's better um, if not, though, um, I'll, I'll start looking into other options. I mean, the reality is if we have Super Mario Land coming up in November um, and we have the last story podcast coming up this year, that might be the last featured content for this year, honestly, the uh, that. And so we might open next year with Valkyria Revolution, you know, depending on how that goes. But but we'll see. We'll see how things are going forward. Anyways, thank you again for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to probably start saying this more often. If you do like the podcast... If you do like the videos, uh, please like and subscribe to them. I think, I think it does help. I asked on the Halo 3 ODST video for people to do that, and I saw not significantly more, but I saw an uptick in likes and upticks in subscriptions from that Halo 3 ODST video. You know, people do it on YouTube because it works, and I don't know. It feels kind of gross to do, but it takes like two seconds. So, I know I'm, I'm being hesitant about it now, but once I get it worked into the outros, it will, it will not be me apologetically saying it anymore (laughs) but yeah i hope you have a great week bye